This is Issues in Perspective with Dr. Jim Ekman, President of Grace University. Issues in Perspective provides a weekly overview of news that pertains to your Christian life and is designed to help you discern and interpret issues that affect you in light of God's truth. Here is Dr. Jim Ekman to help you think biblically about these issues. Welcome and thank you for being with me today on our program, Issues in Perspective. In our first perspective on the program today, I want to think with you about Oprah Winfrey. She is leaving her regular TV program and founding a new TV network, which will expand even further her influence on American culture in the 21st century. She just finished 25 years of syndicated pastoral work, let's call it that, a staggering total of 4,561 shows, serving her own congregation of true believers throughout America. Joanne Kaufman, a writer for the Washington Post, aptly summarizes this last program. Oprah's final show made it difficult to avoid ecclesiastical comparisons. Amazing Grace, she told her rapturous audience, is the song of my life. This was what I was called to do, she said at another point. She also referenced the hand of God and the presence of God, offering prayers of gratitude for the privilege of doing the show talking about her yellow brick road of blessings and signing off for the last time with hands raised in benediction and a fervent God be the glory. Close that quote from Joanne Kaufman. How influential has Oprah Winfrey been these 25 years? What is its nature and how pervasive has this influence been? What exactly does Oprah Winfrey believe In my view, Oprah Winfrey is one of the most powerful and prominent individuals in America today. So let me share some thoughts with you, probe some different aspects of trying to explain the phenomenon called Oprah Winfrey. First of all, a very brief summary of her life with a special emphasis on the spiritual markers of her life. She was born on the 29th of January, 1954, a child of a brief affair between Vernon Winfrey, who was on army leave, and her mother, Vernita. In the early years of her life, she lived on a farm in Mississippi with her mother, Vernita, and her grandmother, Hattie Mae Lee. Living there in Mississippi, Oprah was deeply influenced by the church and by her grandmother, who taught her about God and faith. At about age six, Oprah Winfrey began living with her dad, Vernon, in Nashville, where they attended the Progressive Missionary Baptist Church. In an important article in Christianity Today, LaTanya Taylor writes that even as a little girl, she was attentive on Sunday mornings. In fact, the next day on the playground at Wharton Elementary School, Oprah would often repeat the Sunday sermon using notes she had taken at church. She called it her Monday morning devotion. She learned the golden rule, had written it over and over and carried it in her school bag. She wanted to be a missionary. After spending a year with her father, she went back with her mother, but this time in Milwaukee. She returned to her dad at age 14, but only after she had been sexually abused by male relatives and was a promiscuous teenager who was too much for her mother to handle. Her father brought structure back into her life at age 14, and she returned to the Progressive Missionary Baptist Church, where she spoke 
and then also began speaking in other Nashville churches. At age 19, she got into the broadcasting industry and by 1984 had her own local talk show in Chicago, WSLS-TV. Spiritual themes were a part of this early television show, even then. Throughout her career, she has mixed two seemingly contradictory strands, spiritual guide and show business diva, and she has done so brilliantly. Now, let me secondly, in trying to understand this phenomenon called Oprah Winfrey, summarize her theological beliefs. Can we do so? Well, she has never written any such summary. And yet, LaTanya Taylor believes that three key ideas permeate her personal belief system, her personal theology, if you will. Let me briefly summarize these three points. In a discussion that she had, this is Oprah Winfrey, with New Age author and thinker Gary Zukav, Winfrey said, quote, I am creation's daughter. I am more than my physical self. I am more than the job I do. I am more than the external definitions that I have given myself. Those are all extensions of who I define myself to be. But ultimately, this is very important, I am spirit come from the greatest spirit. I am spirit. Close that quote. Secondly, Oprah Winfrey argues quite passionately for a generic spirituality that sees all religions as equally valid paths to God. Latanya Taylor writes, quote, the show also presents an a la carte blend of religious concept, from karmic destiny, Zen Buddhism, to reincarnation, Hinduism. Close that quote. Indeed, in year 2008, Winfrey, in an exchange with several Christian audience members, revealed the following Winfrey, one of the mistakes that human beings make is believing that there is only one way to live. And we don't accept that there are diverse ways of being in the world, that there are millions of ways to please God in many ways, many paths to what we call God, an audience member. And I guess the danger that could be, and I mean it sounds great at the outset, but if you really look at both sides, Winfrey interrupts, there couldn't possibly just be one way to God. Second audience member, you say there isn't only one way. There is one way, and only one way, and that is through Jesus. Winfrey then responded, There couldn't possibly be only one way with millions of people in the world. Now, dear people, that's a very revealing exchange between Oprah Winfrey and some of the members of an audience in 2008. It shows us that her view of biblical Christianity is very different than most. She does not agree with John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. So that is a revealing and very powerful insight into the personal belief system of Oprah Winfrey. There is a third aspect of her belief system. Elliot Miller, a specialist in the New Age, writes that for Winfrey, Jesus is like an ascended master, a God-realized teacher, someone who completely expressed God in her life. Close that quote. 
For her, Jesus is not a personal Savior from sin or the God-man, but merely a good teacher who shows us how to achieve what he has achieved, some form of enlightenment. Of course, with that view of Jesus, the cross, the nature of God as Trinity, and even anything resembling the Last Judgment is irrelevant. Any distinctives that go with genuine biblical Christianity are gone in Oprah Winfrey's belief system. It is most instructive that she told Pierce Morgan in a recent interview on CNN that she definitely sees herself as a spiritual leader. She, she said, quote, I'm very clear about what my role is and purpose is. This isn't about me. I am the messenger to deliver the message of redemption, of forgiveness, of gratitude, of evolving people to the best of themselves. So I am on my personal journey, she continued. My personal journey is to fulfill the highest expression of myself here as a human being here on earth. Close that quote. Hence, Oprah Winfrey is interested in fostering spirituality, but not religion. She wants people to turn inward for relevant and spiritual wholeness, not to structures, theological systems, or to the church. In so many ways, we are talking about one of the most powerful spiritual leaders of our time, more influential, more powerful than almost any pastor or religious leader one can imagine. So thirdly, this all begs the question of why so many flock to her form of church-free spirituality. Why do 22 million people, mostly female, viewers watch and listen and drink in her new age worldview? Tanya Taylor suggests several reasons. One, America is spiritually hungry. Our secular, postmodern culture offers nothing absolute or certain. There must be a spiritual world that we can have or know. We must be able to feel it, touch it, and experience it. When Oprah Winfrey began engaging in open spiritual discussions on her program, her popularity surged. Reason number two, Americans long for practical spirituality. Part of Oprah Winfrey's appeal is that she motivates people to make practical, lasting changes in their lives. Whether she's speaking about diet and exercise, promoting a new book, or hosting the straight-talking Dr. Phil, her gospel is an empowering one. You can change. Thirdly, Americans want hope. People feel powerless and hopeless in this world today. Oprah gives them a brand of spirituality that produces encouragement, comfort, and hope. I can be better, is her message, and I can expect a better tomorrow. Finally, reason number four. Americans embrace pluralism, and Oprah offers a pluralistic spirituality where one does not need to make concrete theological choices. There is not only one way to God. There are millions, she claims. Oprah Winfrey is a high priestess of a postmodern spirituality that is like a sponge. It soaks up almost any belief system 
and puts a stamp of her approval upon it. In that sense, she is one of the most dangerous women in America as well, leading 22 million people down a path filled with spiritual half-truths and lies. So what do we do with this? Well, in my book on worldviews, I offered four bridges to the New Age, all of which are appropriate in dealing with the New Age cult fostered by Oprah Winfrey. Bridge number one. Perhaps most importantly is the matter of building relationships with the New Age movement advocates. Members of the New Age are seeking something that thrills, something that awes, and they have also experienced the fact that nothing really satisfies. Mystical experiences, rituals, and other fantastic elements in the New Age ultimately do not bring satisfaction and fulfillment that we seek. Therefore, the authenticity and genuineness of the Christian life can speak volumes to the New Age advocate. If they see the fruit of the Spirit, if they see the Beatitudes of Jesus being lived out, God's Holy Spirit can use our supernatural life to attract them to genuine faith in Jesus Christ. Bridge number two. You see this so much in Oprah. Because the New Age stresses the sovereignty of self, it is imperative to press the point that self acting out its own desires and wants naturally results in the abandonment of all ethical standards and absolutes. If self is in the driver's seat in all areas and is satisfied, then who sets the boundaries for life? Who or what determines what is right and wrong? The result is moral and ethical anarchy, and no one who's intellectually honest can accept that. In my view, that is one of the more vulnerable aspects of New Age as a worldview. Bridge number three. Focus in the realm of the spiritual world. For the person centered in the New Age movement, the world is filled with the supernatural, the spiritual, and even the angelic world. The New Age has reopened a door closed since Christianity drove out the demons from the woods, desacralized the natural world, and generally took a dim view of excessive interest in the affairs of Satan's kingdom. Now they're back knocking on university dorm room doors, sneaking around psychology laboratories, and chilling the spines of Ouija board players. New Age advocates like Oprah Winfrey open themselves to the spirit world, and there will be consequences. Those consequences could be demon possession, could be the power and occult activities of that spirit world. As Christians, we know that God is far more powerful than the spirit world, for he's the creator. We know the clear teaching of Deuteronomy 18, verses 9 through 14, that prohibits any form of dabbling in the occult world, so central to the New Age. Jesus cast out numerous demons and offered freedom to millions. We must be ready to declare the truth about the occult world and be ready to offer the freedom that Jesus Christ brings from such enslavement, because at bottom, the New Age is a worldview deeply influenced by the occult. Bridge number four. The New Age defines truth in a self-centered manner. And my goodness, we see that so much in the belief system of Oprah Winfrey. In the New Age movement, there is no critique of anyone's ideas or anyone's experience. 
In fact, every system is equally valid. It must only pass the test of experience, and experience is private. The end result is that in the new age, we can only know what we experience. But that rarely satisfies anyone. History has shown us good night as soon as the Bible as well has shown us that just experiencing all the facets of life, even the fantastic ones that are sometimes associated with the New Age, none of that produces fulfillment or brings purpose to life. Jesus said that he had come, that we might have life and have it more abundantly. He said that in John 10. So as Christians, our task is both to live and declare with our words that abundant life. If we have established a genuine relationship of trust and confidence with someone that's in the new age, God can use our lives to point them to life's meaning and purpose, not in the mysticism of the new age, but in a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm not sure Oprah Winfrey realizes all that she has done or the influence she has had. I suspect she understands how powerful her name is. But her influence, in my view, has been most deeply felt in this area of spirituality, of mystical spirituality. Again, whether she would articulate it this way or not, she represents New Age spirituality. She represents the postmodern commitment to pluralism and personal autonomy. And she is legitimizing all of the spiritual experiences around those cluster of worldviews in a very dangerous way. As I said earlier on this particular program, because of all that she represents, she's like a sponge soaking up any belief system and putting a stamp of approval upon it. She is leading over 22 million people, which is the estimate of the number of her followers, down a path filled with spiritual half-truths. And dear people, we must face it, even lies. She is therefore someone who has had an enormous impact on shaping and molding spiritual mysticism in American civilization in the early 21st century. As she is moving out of her program, of the last 25 years into overseeing this network which she has formed. Perhaps her influence will even be more pervasive. We need to personally pray for Oprah Winfrey. What she experienced and learned as a child in that Sunday school and church in the Progressive Missionary Baptist Church in Nashville, she needs to return to those roots. It's not about spiritual mysticism. It's about Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. When Oprah Winfrey comes back to that central truth, then her influence will be God-honoring. At present, her influence is not. It is a very dangerous influence because it's leading people, 22 million of them, down a path of error. In our second and final perspective on the program today, I want to think with you about the Presbyterian Church, USA, and gay ordination. It drives home the importance of sound doctrine. On May 10, 2011, the Presbyterian Church, USA, PCUSA, joined other mainline churches in opening the door to gay ordination. 
the constitutional change of this denomination, which has received the necessary votes, removes language that had required clergy to live, quote, in fidelity within the covenant of marriage between a man and a woman, or chastity in singleness, close the quote, from the Constitution that was just changed of the Presbyterian Church. That decision and change reverses actions taken by the denomination in 1997, 2001, and 2008. Gone from the Presbyterian Constitution are all references to marriage, chastity, and a refusal to repent of sin. The new language in the Constitution speaks instead of, quote, submission to the Lordship of Christ and being guided by Scripture and confessions, close that quote. But in changing their constitution in this manner, Presbyterians demonstrate that they believe they can submit to the lordship of Christ without submitting to the clear teachings of Scripture. Theologian Albert Moeller writes, This is a fundamental error that leaves this denomination now in the implausible position of claiming to affirm Christ's lordship while subverting the authority of Scripture. The removal of constitutional language about marriage and chastity, coupled with the removal of language about repentance from what Scripture identifies as sin, effectively means that candidates and presbyteries may defy Scripture while claiming to follow Christ. Indeed, as Dr. Donald Fortston III, a professor of church history and practical theology at Reformed Theological Seminary in Charlotte, writes, quote, one of the primary things handed down in the Christian church over the centuries is a consistent set of lifestyle ethics, including specific directives about sexual behavior. The church of every generation from the time of the apostles until now has condemned sexual sin as unbecoming of a disciple of Christ. At no point have any Orthodox Christian teachers ever suggested that one's sexual practices may deviate from biblical standards. Concerning homosexuality, there has been absolute unanimity in church history. Sexual intimacy between persons of the same gender has never been recognized as legitimate behavior for Christians. One finds no examples, Fortune goes on to argue, of Orthodox teachers who suggested that homosexual activity could be acceptable in God's sight under any circumstances. Revisionist biblical interpretations, he goes on, that purport to support homosexual practice are typically rooted in novel hermeneutical principles applied to Scripture, which produce bizarre interpretations of the Bible held nowhere, never by no one. Close that long quotation from church historian and practical theologian Dr. Donald Fortson. There is really little else that needs to be said about this matter. The PCUSA, the Presbyterian Church, the main denomination of the Presbyterians, has left the fold of genuine biblical Christianity. J. Gresham Machen concluded in 1923, when a denomination does so, it no longer deserves to be called Christian. Although that is a statement that goes back to the early 1920s, it is applicable in the early 21st century. From the perspective of God's revealed word, the Presbyterian Church USA has left the fold of genuine biblical Christianity. 
You've been listening to Issues in Perspective with Dr. Jim Ekman, President of Grace University. Issues in Perspective is a radio production of Grace University in Omaha, Nebraska. If you have any questions or comments, or you would like a written summary of today's program, write to Issues in Perspective, 1311 South 9th Street, Omaha, Nebraska, 68108. You can also view a transcript and listen online at issuesinperspective.com. Join us next week for Issues in Perspective with Dr. Jim Ekman. Issues in Perspective is a listener-supported program and ministry of Grace University. You can listen to this program as well as past programs on the web. Just log on to issuesinperspective.com and click on the Listen To button. You can also find the link to Dr. Ekman's website by logging on to this radio station's website and click on the Issues in Perspective banner ad. Issues in Perspective depends on listeners like you in order to broadcast on this station and other Christian radio stations across the country. Please send your tax-deductible donation to Issues in Perspective, P.O. Box 3251, Omaha, Nebraska, 68103. Your generous donation will help spread the Word of God and how it relates to culturally engaged Christians in today's world.